It's April 25th, 2010, and you're listening to the Architecture Happy Hour. I'm Laura. And I'm Larry. It's a two-drink minimum, so grab your glass and let's get started. everyone. We're here in the lounge at HPD Architecture, and it's been a while since we've done a podcast. It's been a, been a long while, or at least it <laughs> feels like a long while. Not that we're, we haven't tried. We've tried to be good, and, and we scheduled dates. We just kind of kept shifting things around. Yeah, I guess that's a good problem to have, that we've been a little bit busy. Yeah, but, you know, I still feel kind of like, well, you know, okay, it's, let's podcast this weekend. And, oh, it doesn't happen. Yeah. On to the next kid. Well, you know, life gets in the way, yeah. so. Yeah. And we've been doing some things since our last podcast. Yeah, what's so been going okay. on? Oh, me? <laughs> you want me to go first? Yes. Well, fine. I guess the biggest thing for me, really, in the last month has been we actually finished up our Wake Up Project. Right, I guess it was the week we posted the last podcast, was just absolutely grueling. We did the happy hour that week. Yeah. The following night, or following day, we started work at, or I started work at, you know, 7.30 in the morning and got to go home Thursday at 11. Yeah. So it was like a 32-hour work day, and it was just absolutely grueling, and I thought, gosh, I sure do miss school. Yeah. Just like being back in studio. Oh, it was awful. I'm, you know, my niece has posted on her Facebook page, 54 hours with no sleep. I'm yeah. like, 32 hours with no sleep and I'm a zombie. How does she do 54? Yeah, she's, she's, she's an architecture student. Yeah, yeah, except she's 20 years younger than I am. Well, so true. I guess that, guess that helps yeah. a little bit. Yeah, we're, we're in denial if age actually has a, a play in that, but I think it probably does. It does. Yeah. Of course it does. Yeah, well, and the other thing we did was Laura set us up for uh, our first trade show. Yeah, we um, the firm is involved in the Women's Business Council, and um, which is an amazing organization that helps women-owned businesses further their their businesses. And um, we participated in an event called the Business Works, and it's a trade show for the small businesses, and then also lots of seminars and. Uh, networking with the larger corporate entities within the organization. So we did our first trade show, and it was fun. We had a good turnout and a good response. Larry and I were laying on the floor in the trade <laughs> show room the night before putting our board together. Yes, that Just was. Just like, there we go, back like uh, being in school, school, right? Yeah. 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 We even had someone comment because we, we tried to make sure that there was some dimensionality to the board. Right. And so we made sure that our pictures weren't all flat and so we had them kind of, you know, different heights, so to speak, different levels. And someone even commented, ooh, I like the way that you guys did the, the stuff on the back. I'm thinking, God, this is so low tech. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is so yeah. back to school stuff. Right. You yeah, know. we thought it was pretty basic, but compared to some of the other displays, it actually, actually it was presented well. It presented well. Yes, yes it did. It did, it in did. fact, present well. And yeah. also, well, like I said, we've done two happy hours. You know, we did the one right after the last podcast, mm -hmm. and then we had one last week that was actually turned out really good. Yeah, it was really great. We, um, if we haven't mentioned it before, we do a happy hour once a month called the Architecture Happy Hour, same name as our podcast here. And we are, the idea behind it was to bring together people within our industries that are all related. So obviously architects, but then interior designers, real estate, construction, uh, anybody who we typically work with on a daily basis or those industries that would serve, serve our, industry. our industry. And there's good connections being made, and it's fun. It was fun, and, yeah. and we had a great venue. 
They put us outside, which we thought, oh, God, we're outside. Scary never been outside, in Dallas. And, especially in Dallas. But we couldn't have asked for better weather. I mean, we had our own bartender. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that sounds terrible, I guess. But architects like to drink. We, we're, we enjoy our cocktails. And so, of course, you know, it helps to have your own bartender so you don't have to wait to get your, you know, your drink on, so to speak. Yes. It was it was good and and of course now magically here it is it's the end of April I can't believe this and we're all sitting around going it's the end of April it's the last week in April yeah oh dear lord right somebody <laughs> at my networking group last week said um, mm. if you haven't checked the calendar the first quarter of this year is over and gone and done yeah you cannot do anything about it if you didn't get it done in the first quarter <laughs> tough too bad right well. <laughs> Wow. And I've been talking to my niece, and she, last week, she spent just a ton of time getting ready for jury this week. Yes. And I know she's so ready for it to be over, and she's going to France for study abroad. Oh, and it's exciting. She's she's thrilled. You know, never been out of the country, so she's just all worked up. And But, of course, she has to get through the rest of the semester. Yeah, exactly. So, first things first. Yeah, so she's just, you know, exhausted. Yeah. But, um... She's off to Paris, and she has friends now who are actually graduating and who are going to start heading off into the job market. So for those of you who are looking for jobs or who already have one and looking forward to starting, we thought we'd take a few minutes today and talk about the things your college professor never told you about working in an architecture firm. Yes. There's a little bit of difference between, between being in school, school and being in an sure. office. And first and foremost of that is paperwork. Paperwork, paperwork, paperwork. There's just... Yeah. An incredible amount of it, and of course, a lot of it has to do with the simple fact that you have to really cover your butt in the whole process. Right. You know, there's so much legality involved in, in doing architecture because you're talking about the health, safety, and welfare of the public. Yeah, that's true. And I honestly think if your professors ever mentioned to you just how much was involved in doing that... You know, they'd have about half the students out of the program in the first week or so. You know, they wouldn't have to wear you down like do the first year, killing you in studio. <laughs> they just walk in with some cartons of documents from our project and show you just how much. Yeah, you're going to be real world side of design. Right. Yeah, and I think a lot of people will just go, oh well, maybe not. Yeah, I don't think that's for me. But really, what it's all about is that. You know, you get, you're sitting in a meeting and you think, oh, I'll remember that. Well, trust me, you won't. And so you better write it down and you better make sure that everybody else heard exactly what you heard. So it's all about writing everything down very explicitly so that it is, there's a record. There's, there's a, record, a right. paper trail of who said what, what decision was made, what was the outcome of that. Do we have to go back and fix anything? Whose fault is it? That's a big, ugly word, but it helps if you can say, uh-uh, nope. They were the ones who right. started that problem. Well, and, and even even the contracts professor I had, because we actually had to take a semester of contracts. Mm -hmm. Thrilling class, by yeah, the way. Yeah, business law. Yeah. He never even mentioned it, and he was a um, you know, registered architect. He had helped write most of the guidelines for the TBAE, which is the Texas Board of Architectural Examiners. Mm -hmm. He never even brought it up. But I think if he had, you know, like I said, I think a lot of people would have turned around and gone, well, maybe there's something else I can do that, you know, isn't quite, <laughs> quite oh, that involved. I don't involved. know. I bet most professions have a lot of paperwork. Oh, yeah. Just for the same reason, probably. Yeah. And there's always a stack of paper on everyone's desk. Which, you know, it's not to say to be scared off by that, but just that's kind of the nature of how business gets done. Right. 
until and, we truly go to a paperless office, which, which will, is yeah, hilarious. Yeah, so that idea of paperless. <laughs> I know. Well, and the guy that I worked with one uh, at one point who he did nothing for the entire project, and it was probably a two-year project, but all he did was shuffle paper. Yeah. And well, I it mean, was a project for an institution, right? Right. A university. Right. And it was a large project. Right. But, I mean, the amount of paper that crossed his desk was just absolutely astounding. Yeah. Well, every question that gets asked has to be documented, especially during construction. Right. Every You can't just call the contractor and tell him something. It has to be written down, documented. Stamped, signed. Right. Yeah, it has to go out Double, to everybody. Double, copies to everyone. Right, exactly. Right. Exactly. So it's it's a process, but once you learn it and understand it and just embrace it, just yes. embrace that paperwork <laughs> responsibility. Yeah. And if you're one of those people that's very organized and loves to file, oh, you will just be in heaven. Yeah, you'll be so happy. <laughs> Well, and, and you'd think with the advent of email that things would get a lot easier. Right. And, you know, that opens up a whole other can of worms just because of the legality of you can't give direction in an email necessarily. Right. Or you can, but that typically goes on a form and it's signed and it's stamped. And Because the thought behind that is that even though it's coming from your email address, there's no real proof that it was actually you physically sitting there typing it. Right. There could be an argument down the road if there was ever a problem to say, you know, well, I didn't send that. Or the other person could have said, well, somebody, you know, yes, you did. Or maybe somebody jumped on your computer while you were at lunch. Or, you know, there's just, you got to have, you got to be able to back it up, really, is what it comes down to. Yeah. So you're so. going to, you know, whether it's an, it's an email, but you're going to end up printing it out and filing it with stuff anyway. Right, right. And, you know, so so just accept you're going to do some paperwork when you get into the, into the job, and you're going to learn all that lingo and learn how everything yeah. works. And, you know, along those lines, and, you know, that brings us to a good point, and that's something else that professors don't ever bother to tell you, which is you need to learn how to write a complete sentence. Please, oh dear God, <laughs> learn how to write in a complete sentence. Learn punctuation and grammar. Grammar's your friend. It really is. We're not joking. You will make lots of brownie points with your employer if you are a good communicator. Exactly. And yeah. and we're going to sound older than dirt, but it's you know, when, in the days when people are really texting each other, you're standing in the room with the person, and you're texting them. Right. They're five feet away. You know, the English language gets so condensed into little phrases and whatever, mm -hmm. and... I think, in turn, people don't don't really learn how to, or they forget how the syntax really works, and they mm -hmm. forget how the grammar works. And you have to assume at some point that you're going to write a letter or a memo, and it's, it's going to have to sound professional. I think when I was in school, my program required maybe one or two English courses at best. And Yeah. Well, in fact, a lot of people test out of English through their high school courses. Right. So you may not ever even have to take a college English course. Right. And, you know, and if you do, it's... For the program, it's French literature instead of you right. know, you're writing papers about or history papers or whatever, but not language for business correspondence yeah. is really what it's all about. Yeah, and all yeah. you have to do is make a passing grade. You know, they don't care if you <laughs> yeah, get true. a D. Typically, I mean, it's just you have to get through the class. Right. And no one ever emphasizes that knowing basic structure and grammar and how to spell is going to come in really handy later on. Right. Well, and what's really interesting is you may know exactly what you mean when you write something down. And you may think it's actually a very nicely crafted sentence or statement. But you need to let somebody else read it and proofread it before you send it out because mm -hmm. it's very easy to get some 
simple understanding just tweaked a little bit and somebody takes it in a totally different way. Right. And that can lead to, well, I thought you said this, but no, I really said this, but that's not what you said, but, <laughs> but yes, I did. Uh-huh. Yeah. Misplaced it's, comma yeah. or the wrong grammar or and right. suddenly you're going down that weird, weird, weird road. Right. Right. So it's just not something to be taken for granted. If you are unsure, just feel free to ask questions and get somebody to proofread it. And even simple emails, if you think it's not really a big deal to get your grammar right and spelling right, it is a big deal. Because especially if you're emailing from your company account, you're representing that entire company with every email message you send. So if it sounds like you're using slang or it's a little bit informal, that puts kind of a, you know, you're making an impression to that yeah. person about what your company's all about. And that's important. The other thing is that your your boss or your manager or supervisor um, typically has the right to look at every email that you ever send out of that account. So keep that in mind. Yes. No it, emoticons. Right. Well, and, and watch sending personal stuff. Well, that's true. Because everything is on record. Basically... Make sure that you can write well, and if you can't write well, always have somebody proofread it or have Mm -hmm. your boss read it, or even if you're writing an email and you think it doesn't quite sound right, Mm -hmm. have somebody come over and look over your shoulder and read it for you, because especially if you're upset about something, it's really dangerous because you can fire off that email and you can't take it back. It's gone forever. It's gone forever. And professors also never talk to you about having a pre-professional degree versus having your professional degree and really what comes with that. We would hope that at some point in school, whether you realize it or not when you first got in your program, that if you're in a pre-professional degree, meaning like a four-year, for example, Bachelor of Environmental Design or uh, what's another Bachelor of Science in Architecture is a pre-professional. It totally depends on the school you're coming from. Most states have a requirement that a professional degree is required if you want to sit for the exam to become a registered architect. And there's a whole big process involved that's very step-by-step. You have to do your internship in most states, require uh, Mm -hmm. the IDP, which is the Intern Development Program. That is run through a group called NCARB, uh, National Council of Architecture Registration Boards. There's, I mean, it's alphabet soup. You can, You can you can drive yourself crazy. For me, I don't think I ever had a professor sit down and I don't know that I even had a guidance counselor really at school sit down and say, okay, this is what you need to do and this is what's going to happen. And, you know, when I went back to school, because I did two years at one school, took some time off and then finished up at another school, mm-hmm. I knew I was graduating with a pre-professional degree and that I was immediately going to go to work. But I also knew at the time that... I didn't need to pursue a master's because of the state rules at the time for you know becoming a registered architect. You didn't have to have a professional degree. Mm-hmm. I think I just kind of found that stuff out on my own. You have to be prepared for that. You know, are, am I going to get my four year and then go to work? You know, what does that mean for me, and what does mm-hmm. it limit me in what I can do? Right. Well, and for example, um, if you get out with your undergraduate degree knowing that a master's degree or some professional degree is going to be required in order to get licensed, make that decision before you leave school that you're going to go back and do it because it's really easy once you get out working to let that slide and slide and slide and then all of a sudden life takes over and it's real hard to get back into school. So just have it set in your mind a certain time amount that you're going to work, but at this point in time, on this month, this day, you're going to start 
gathering those applications and getting your act together to go back to school. Because if your ultimate goal is to be a registered architect in many places, that's a non-negotiable. You have to have it. Yeah. Well, and, so. and like the, um, Laura was saying, the NCARB website really, there's a, a page where you can actually go in whatever state you're in, you can look at all the regulations for your state because it's going to vary from state to state. Texas, you don't necessarily have to have a professional degree depending on what you're doing. And a lot, I've got friends who don't, and they're, they're mm-hmm. not concerned about it because, you know, either they're working for an architect and they don't ever want to own their own business or, you know, the title isn't important to them. So they're fine with that. Or they're doing residential design. And, you know, for us, like in, in Dallas, you don't have to sign and stamp drawings. So you can be a residential designer or something along those lines. That's fine. And if you want... You want to just say, I'm, I'm a designer, I'm not an architect, and you're happy with that, that's certainly an option for you. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially if you're really new in your career, just get out there and, and try different firms out, try different building types and project types out, because mm-hmm. you may discover something you never even realize you know, is truly your passion. I had lots of friends who got out with our four-year degree, and a, only a small per- percentage of us actually ended up becoming, going the full course and becoming a registered architect. I have another friend who went into computer animation because a lot of large architecture firms need an animation studio. Um, There's others who are actually writing software that has to do with programming and space planning and that sort of thing, so they kind of went more the computer route. That's kind of the fun thing, actually, with an architecture or undergraduate degree is that you can do a whole lot with it, that um, you're not just on the track to go, you know, becoming a professional architect. There's lots of places you can take it. You don't ever, I I don't know, you just don't often hear that in school. Right, I know, I didn't hear it. You get very caught up in the whole theory and you're designing and the professors are pushing you to, you know, really do your, really think through the project and whatever, and no one ever stops and says, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right, yeah. So it's... Well, yeah, I mean, I think I got into school and thought, oh, I'm going to architecture school, which means I'll get out and I'll be an architect. Well, they don't tell you that whole, you know, okay, well, it does take... This is... Our program is structured this way, which is four plus two, and then, by the way, you have to have a minimum of three-year internship, and by the way, you have to submit, oh, paperwork, surprise, Yeah, paperwork, again, right. Documenting everything, and then, oh, by the way, you have to take a bajillion exams, and yeah, so... At this point, baby steps are important. Just focus on getting in, doing well at your job, but know that there are other steps that you're going to have to do. Right. If you're a pre-professional degree and you want to you know, become a licensed architect, know that you're going to end up you know, back in school doing that. And also, don't expect to graduate and jump right into design. I don't think I ever had a professor emphasize that. And I don't know if it's because a lot of professors aren't practicing or if it's they've forgotten it themselves? Well, they may have forgotten that it actually matters to a graduate coming out. They've already had the big picture, and so they kind of forget that when you get out, you're kind of excited to do what you've been doing for the mm-hmm. last four years, when really you're about to shift gears and you get into probably more of the nitty-gritty, smaller scope of, here's a little snapshot of the building we're mm-hmm. doing. We're not going to give you the whole building. Hello, that's what the yeah. architects get to do. Yeah. So just... Yeah, you get yeah. ready to graduate I, yeah. and just, you're going to turn the architecture world <laughs> up on its ear and you're just going to go out there and blow everybody away and then suddenly you find yourself drawing lots and lots of restrooms and stairs and building details. And it really doesn't the world just revolve around bathrooms? Isn't that just 
Isn't that the secret to life? You got to start at the very essence of the world. Right? Of the world, right in the restroom. It's all in the bathroom. It's all about yeah. the bathrooms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, and I don't know. I think I could write a book about that. You probably. Is that, that's a theory right there. Would that be inappropriate? I don't know. I don't know. Somebody but, would buy it. I, I'm sure of it. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, and it's even true if you work for a smaller firm. You know, you're going to have a better opportunity to do more things because. Everybody has to sort of pick up the ball, and they're, everyone's wearing multiple hats. But even there, you're going to spend a lot of time doing, you know, corrections to drawings. and mm-hmm. Which is so important. Very important. Yeah. And learning how to detail. And, and mm-hmm. of course, part of the detailing process is, process is you're learning how everything comes together, mm-hmm. how the building really works, what all the components and parts and pieces mean. And you're going to learn a lot, but it may be a while before you get a chance to do some real design. Well, and the most important part about that aspect, because you are probably going to be asked to do some things that you're not familiar with, is please ask questions. Please, please, please ask questions. No question is stupid. Don't ever be afraid to ask something because it's our responsibility as the architect in the office or your mentor or your supervisor to bring you up through the ranks. I mean, that's what the intern development program is about. It's development. So it's your responsibility to ask the question. It's also your responsibility to find a good mentor in your office, which may or may not be the person you directly answer to. Exactly. Um, It needs to be somebody you're comfortable with and who can kind of help guide your career. That's a really important part. I don't think a lot of interns think to identify that person. Of course, the IDP asks you to do it. It's supposed to be an official part um, but just for your own kind of, you know, finding your way through the whole business, it's a nice thing to have. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and too, on, on another note on that, we're kind of sliding off topic, but you don't always have to have a mentor inside your office. Mm-hmm. If there's someone that you already know that you think, oh, I'd love to be able to bounce things off of them and talk to them about how my job is going and, you know, what I'm experiencing, feel free to go outside your office. You don't have mm-hmm. to stay inside the office. Well, that's a great point because a lot of times if you're interviewing at a lot of different firms, a firm may not have a position for you at that time, but you may just hit it off with whoever you're interviewing with. That's a great person either at that time or come back to them at a later date and say, you know, I know I can't work with you directly, but would you mind having coffee with me once a month? Or can I just stop by at lunch and and chat with you and just kind of check in? And and most times they'll be more than happy to, to do that with you. Yeah. And finally, professors will never tell you that it helps to know how a building goes together, or at least mine didn't. And I think, it, again, it goes back to that idea that a lot of programs get caught up in theory and design and forget to tell you, you know, try to give you the basic how the parts and pieces fit. You know, I went to two different schools, and actually, I, theoretically, I went to three. For my program, I went to two different schools, and the first two years of my program was so frustrating and so stressful because they were asking us to do these things that were great in theory, but I'm trying to draw, do my drawings for the project, and I want to know how the building goes together. I'm putting things together that don't make any sense to me, and I'm sure they fit, but I don't know why, and it was very frustrating. And I ended up, after two years of architecture school, going to junior college for a couple of semesters and taking a basic drafting class, and that's where I learned started learning about building components. I learned how to draw a wall section, and that's what it took. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, you look inside your program and think, okay, what are they teaching me? And, and some programs are a little more technical, and mm-hmm. some programs are 
Well, Very theory-based. Yeah, and I think a lot of schools, I hope, are, are getting a sense that that's a piece that's missing for mm-hmm. their students when they graduate. And so I do think there are some schools who are starting to integrate more of that hands-on. Like, I know some construction building material classes, they're actually having the students build a masonry wall. Like, figure out how mortar really? works and, and how bricks fit together. Wow. And what are different courses mean and, you know, the terminology. And if you're going to design something, it kind of has to be able to be built contractor the guy in the next room in the construction science degree program has to be able to read your drawings and put it together in real life you know it's definitely something you learn that's the whole point of having an internship but just understand that 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 is something that's going to be important yeah embrace it and Mm -hmm. you know for example i used to go out on weekends and walk job sites you know there were some houses being built in our neighborhood and as long as it wasn't a hard hat area you know it wasn't i wasn't breaking in, you could still walk onto a, if it's like in the middle of framing or something. Right, walk onto the top side. Yeah, you could go see, well, gosh, okay, those joists actually sit on top of a top plate, Mm -hmm. and well, I wonder why they use that size of a header across that window opening, and start to learn the words and the terminology and the pieces and parts and how it all goes together. Yeah, well, Um, and I, I think with computers becoming, well, I won't say more prevalent because, let's face it, they're just prevalent. Right. For example, my niece is already learning Revit. She's in school, and she's having to learn Revit, which is building information modeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, BIM and, is a huge word right now. And so, of course, they're going to have to know how those components go together. They're going to have to know, you know, I'm creating a wall here in, in my drawing, and what's it made out of? Mm-hmm. So they have to know these things. And so I would suspect as time goes on and it becomes more and more and more used in a program, that people will learn that more and more, but for right now, if you don't, and if you feel like you're not getting it, then you know try taking a class somewhere else during the summer. You know, take the summer and go to junior college and and take something basic and mm-hmm. you know see what you can get out of it. Or if you have the opportunity, do some projects with Habitat for Humanity so that you actually get the experience of really. Swinging you know, the hammer. Swinging the hammer, absolutely. Because I had a, one of those aha moments during my internship at some point where I realized I can't fake this anymore. If I draw it this way, that's probably how they're going to try to build it. And if it's not how they want to build it, they're going to be pissed <laughs> off at me. They're going to be really that? upset. They're going to be a little bit upset with me. So at some point I realized, oh, maybe I should really take a second, either if we already have a contractor, call them up and see you know, could you just look at this for me and tell me how you how it would work better or go to the person who's going to be redlining my drawings and say, you know, I think this is how it's going to go together, but talk me through it because that can make all the difference. And once you learn how a certain detail works, it will cool. just explode and, and affect everything else you do, which is really nice because it's like, oh, I learned something today. Yeah, something sort of clicks and <laughs> suddenly right. everything else is starting to yeah. work. Right. Like, oh, you mean flashing needs to keep water out? Oh, there's a oh. <laughs> Well, heck, we have contractors who don't know that. Well, true, yeah. But that's another story. Yeah. So if you're heading out into the job market, you know, we want you to keep all of these things in mind, and we don't want to discourage you from working in a firm. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're going through this sounding like, well, gosh, we sound so mean and terrible, and look out, it's going to be deadly. But <laughs> the reality is you just keep your eyes open and be prepared, and don't get disappointed if you're not doing exactly what you'd hoped that you'd be doing when you right. graduated from school. And, you know, all that's going to come about, and it may just take some time. And if you get really frustrated, look for other opportunities to sort of feed that creative outlet. Do Habitat for Humanity. Get mm-hmm. some hands-on experience. Look for uh, competition stuff that you can do. You know, you may have to do it in conjunction with your office, but 
saying, yeah. hey, there's this thing I want to do. Would you guys be interested in doing it? And then, you know, and maybe pull in a couple other friends who are working at other firms and just kind of get that, you know, that creative need filled. Right. But accept that it may not be happening at the firm you're at right away. Yeah, it may not be your main job description. But there's all kinds of fun things like retrospect, with, which is a program through the American Institute of Architects mm-hmm. here in Dallas. They... Uh, firms that want to participate get to build these really cool boards and displays that talk mm-hmm. about their business, and oftentimes they're very creative and very 3D. You know, it's something that's set up in one of the local shopping malls, and you know, you can be on the retrospect team and, yeah. and get to actually design it and build it, and that's a lot of fun. Well, and, and even the what's the other one? Canstruction. Canstruction, which is yeah. the um, going to goes to the food bank. Yeah, right? Texas food bank. But they're doing these incredible sculptures out of. Food, can canned yeah. goods, and yeah. dry goods, and you go through it, and you're just amazed at what people can come up with. Yeah. So always, you know, look for those creative outlets. Yeah. But know that you know, you may not be doing it right off the bat, but you'll get there. Right. Exactly. And if you are out there, either working right now or getting ready to, and you're in the Dallas area, um, we'd like to invite you to join us at the Architecture Happy Hour. We have it every month, typically the third Wednesday of right. each month. And it's a great way to meet other architects, designers. We've got people coming from industries, contractors, um, which are always a great mm-hmm. connection to have. And the fun thing is, is that you may meet somebody that ultimately is a great contact for your firm. And if you can show that you're involved in your industry and you're out meeting people and that it's actually contributing to a project or to something that mm-hmm. somebody needs in your office, that will definitely get you huge brownie points. Yeah, huge brownie points. Yeah, because it really shows that you're invested you're in investing your what you're doing. In, yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. So if, if you want to come out, the next one is May 19th. I think we're doing it at Primo's on McKinney. For those of you in Dallas, you'll know where that is. Mm-hmm. For those of you who are interested and want to sign up for the meetup, you can do mm-hmm. that at www.meetup.com forward slash the architecture happy hour. And you just go and sign up and RSVP for the event. And you can also find the link on our website, which is www.hpdarch.com. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we will see you there. Yeah. And if you join the happy hour by means of hearing it through this podcast, let us know. Because we'd love to know that, that we're actually getting out there and right? meeting someone. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really fun to be able to meet one of our podcast listeners. That would be wonderful. But for now, our drinks are empty and it's time to go. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, everyone. This is Larry. And this is Laura. And we'll see you the next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.